This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. Matthew chapter 5. Verses 10 through 12, and this is the end of our Beatitudes. If you've missed any of the weeks, uh, it's online. Catch up. I don't know how you could live out your life without knowing what the Beatitudes are and begin to, to be what God designed us to be and destined for us to be. So if you missed one week, go back online and, and check it out. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, sometimes people say mean things about you because of, um, you weren't very nice. It's not because of Jesus, so... Let's make sure we don't get them confused. So rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this is the end, and this is a very different beatitude than the other ones. This beatitude is radical. It is radical. The other beatitudes confront our hearts, the attitudes of our hearts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Can you imagine? That's testing our hearts. What kind of posture do we place ourselves? Do we always look down at people and those people? And I can't believe they did that. And and, uh, Eric, a couple weeks ago, preached about putting yourself in the story and not as the the hero, but as the antagonist in the story, the non-hero, the sinner. Everybody wants to put themselves in the story as the hero, but be, be what Jesus wants you to do, is begin to see your heart. But this one is radical, this one's different, this one's bold, and it can leave you thinking, if you leave this place, and it's challenged me, it can leave me thinking, I can't live up to this. So let me be very, very clear. Jesus is not saying that it is good for you to be persecuted. It's good for you to be persecuted. He is not saying that. He's not saying go out and get persecuted and that's a good thing. But he is saying that people who are persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus holds them to be precious. Do you see the difference? The people who are being persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus holds them to be precious. And we should want and look up to those who Jesus considers precious as well. So do we look up to people who are persecuted for his name's sake? I have my next picture of a friend of mine. Her name is Marilyn Laszlo. Some of you have had the blessing and the benefit to meet this lady. Matter of fact, if I get choked up, I apologize. 
She's still with us on earth. She's at a nursing home, full-blown Alzheimer's. This lady loved Jesus so much that she thought she had a plan for her life and she was going to go to Mexico, to the Indians of Mexico. She knew Spanish fluently. And then she went to a conference and the conference leaders asked her to go to a jungle on an island in Papua New Guinea. And she's like, I'm not going. I've already have my plan to go to Mexico. So she goes to the stadium, very, the, the, the conference was at, um, I believe, at Oak, University of Oklahoma. And she was on campus and she went to the football stadium to pray. Unbeknownst to her, they were doing construction at the stadium. She kind of slipped into the, the chain link fence and went into the stadium and began to pray. And after a few hours of praying, she decided to go back. And when she went back, the chain link was closed. It was locked up. And this is like pre-cell phone days. And she tried to yell, and it just like very much like our stadium out in the middle of nowhere, and there was not a person in sight. So she decided to go back into the stadium and, and use the restroom. Everything was shut down. No water fountain, no toilet, nothing. And before you know it, the sun started going down, and she was getting nervous, and she was trying to scream. She could see people at a tennis court trying to scream, no answer. So she figured she'd have to make herself ready for, to spend the night. So she spent her first night, Friday night, at the stadium. Saturday morning, she thought for sure the construction workers would come, but it was Memorial Weekend. That's why they had space at the university. There was not a soul in sight, not, no students, nothing. And she spent the day clamoring and trying to get someone's attention and no one came. All day Saturday, by herself, no water, no bathroom. And so she finally says, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Sunday morning, after two nights sleeping, a Friday night, Saturday night, wakes up Sunday morning. She's dying of thirst, literally. She's hungry. She says, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And a couple came near the stadium because they were going to play tennis nearby. And they were able to get her attention and she was able to be set free. When she left the stadium, she decided to go wherever God wanted her to go. And she goes to this jungle, her and her sister, two young, single, Midwest girls. They said, I'll go wherever you send me. I will follow you, Jesus. And she gets there on her very first day. She reaches a tribe through canoe, like I think a three-day journey in canoe, just her and her sister, ready to, ready to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And then um, they didn't... They didn't kill her. One generation prior, they were cannibals, this tribe. But they isolated her. And they, they didn't actually know they were people. They thought they were ghosts, literally. These people that she went to were not accustomed to the outside world. And when they saw her and her sister, they literally thought they saw ghosts as a spirit. She was isolated. She was persecuted. She was injured. She almost died for the gospel. 
so that this tribe can know Jesus. So when Jesus tells us, blessed are the, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom, we need to look up to people like Marilyn Laszlo. You can look her up on YouTube, you can see her story. The church I was a part of, the Tabernacle, were able to fund the printing of the first Bible to make it to that village. And there's a video of it online. And the tribe had come to know Jesus. I think 80% of the tribe had now known Jesus. Not fast forward 20, 25 years. Marilyn Laszlo had written the, the New Testament in their language. And now it's being printed. And they were all dressed in their, in their gear, their, their celebration gear. And they were clapping and, and with their spears and their drums. The word of God is coming. The word of God is coming. You can see the boat coming, the canoes with the Bibles and the whole village celebrating for the first printing, printed version of the Bible. But for years and years and years, she suffered and was persecuted. But she returned. One time she was so sick, they had a flyer to Chicago, she almost died. But because of her sickness, she realized that it was also killing people in the village. Our very first week, and I'll, I'll stop with this story because we have other stories. She was there, she could hear this moaning and, and, and this mourning, this tribe had, is about to bury someone. So they come out of their hut, they were isolated, and it was a, like a, a parade, a processional. And when they come to this body, they see this person being carried to a gravesite. And when they look carefully at the, the man, it was a young man, they realized his chest was still moving. He was breathing. And they didn't know the language, and so they were trying to get the attention of the person, the chief, to say, this person is not dead. And they knew that he was probably in some sort of a coma. But in their tribe, in their culture, if they're not awake and they cannot be awakened, they're dead. And she said her very first week, they saw the tribe bury a live person. And she looked up to the heavens and she said, Lord, where did you send me to this God-forsaken place? And then 20, 25 years later, you know, the gospel has been spread and 80% of that tribe serves the Lord and loves Jesus. I got to meet about eight of them. They came to Sarasota, Florida. Three of them went to the university, in Indiana University to study engineering because she had gone and helped them learn how to, to write their alphabet and read and write in their language. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Do you, any of you know who Jim Elliot is? Raise your hand if you know who Jim Elliot is. A few of you know who Jim Elliot is our next picture. They made a movie after him called The End of the Spear. There's a quote, which is our next slide, he says, he is no fool who parts with which, that which he cannot keep when he is sure to be recompensed with that which he cannot lose. Just look at it. Person is not a fool if he parts with something he cannot keep when he'll, he will be repaid with something that he cannot lose. Jim Elliott. 
These words were found in his journal. Those words were attributed to a minister from 200 years prior, but he found it in his journal before he went to the jungles of Ecuador to bring the message of hope and love to a deserving people. I'd like for you to watch this four-minute clip. As you can tell, they just landed. Blessed are those who are persecuted 
because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To just bring a little levity to this story right now is that I showed this video. Uh, this is the jungles of Ecuador where Jim Elliott went with his team. My dad's Ecuadorian. So I, I showed the video to my dad. And uh, afterward, you know, my crying, I said, Dad, what you think? was?" I didn't like it. <laughs> if you know my dad, you'd, you'd understand. And I go, well, what didn't you like about this? Those were not Ecuadorian Indians. And, <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, what are you talking about? And so uh, I looked it up, and sure enough, the movie was filmed in Panama. And the Indian tribe that uh, the actors um, were actually from the northern part of Central America, which is a whole different Indian tribe than uh, South American, Ecuadorian. Now, it, it is funny, probably to, to even maybe add insult to injury as far as uh, being, you know, the way they, they died and humble. The Ecuadorian Indians are like, I'm a, I, I play center on their basketball team. And so uh, they're really small. And so, anyway, so blessed are those who are persecuted for their for righteousness' sake. So parents, have you been telling your children about the heroes of the faith? The last of the Beatitudes. Jesus says it's important. Do we share the stories of those who have gone before us? Who have paved the way for us? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for his name's sake. My last character I want to talk to you about is a hero of mine, Eric Liddell. Eric is famous because there was a movie made after him called Chariots of Fire. But what made Eric so special is not what you saw on the movie. And I'm going to show you a little movie clip. That he was going to, he was a world-class runner, 200 yards, and he was uh, on the Olympic team for the England, and uh, it was time to run the finals, but the final was on Sunday, the Lord's Day, the Sabbath, and so what did he do? He declined to run in the finals, and there was all sorts of pressure and persecution because he wanted to honor the Lord and not do any running on Sunday. England Olympic Committee tried to adjust the schedule, but there was no changing, and Eric had to forfeit the race that he was destined to win. But then he decided, and the team decided that he could run the 400-yard meter run, which was not his, his best run, but he decided to do it because it was on the next day or the day before. It turns out that he breaks a world record at this race. Eric was born in China. One of Eric's, you might even hear, uh, but the story is that he says this, before I run, I say I run the first 200 yards as fast as I can, and the second 200 yards, I ask God to help me run faster and harder. And I don't want to downplay his impressive gold medal. He wins the 400-yard 
dash, but what he does next is hundredfold more impressive than winning a medal. He was born in China, as I just said. As a matter of fact, China would consider him one of the first Olympic gold medals. They claim him as their first Olympic gold medal, being that he was born in China. After he wins, he spends a year traveling around England because he was a celebrity and people wanted his attention and he would go and preach and you know, raise money. But he didn't feel called to do that, so he goes back to China, where he was from, to serve as a missionary, as a teacher. He would teach science and sports at a college in China in a city of Tianjin, the same city he was born. He worked there for many years. And after 12 years, he became an ordained minister, spreading God's word in that whole region. He was an evangelist and a humanitarian. While serving there, Liddell rescued two wounded Chinese soldiers who were in the middle of a fight with the country of Japan. Stories say that Liddell refused to travel with an armed guard when visiting and needing people because he said this, relying on, he says, relying on a, God, a gun instead of God wasn't his thing. At this time, Japanese were encroaching on China's mainland, and Liddell should have run and gone home, but he stayed. It was so dangerous that the British government advised him and all British citizens to leave. Eric Liddell let his wife and kids leave, but he stayed back because he felt like his mission was not complete. His luck eventually ran out when the city fell under Japanese control and Eric Liddell was sent to prison. It was an internment camp and he was there. He began to lose weight. He looked like a skeleton, they said. Uh, it's possibly that he had brain cancer. But Liddell spent his time teaching children and sharing what he'd had. One time, even a bunch of rich businessmen had heard about him. He was the Olympian. And they came and tried to give him food, you know, uh, bribe the guards to give Liddell extra food. And when Liddell got it, he spread it and gave it to his fellow prisoners. Pretty impressive. As I said, he was ravaged by malnourishment. Winston Churchill got him released with a prisoner exchange. But Liddell refused to leave because there was a pregnant lady in the camp. She was about to give birth, and he said she should go. So not only did he save the lady's life, he saved the baby's life. He could have gone back to his wife and his kids, and his wife was pregnant, so he, he never saw his baby. I just want you to show you this video. We're going to wrap it up here soon. This is his race. I'll see you after the race. 
Dale with this guy Little. Don't you have No problem. He's a flyer. He's had two races today already. He'll die. So swing along, you guys, and wait. After 300 meters, rigor mortis sets in. You'll pull him in on a rope. Watch out for little. Coach says no problem. He's got something to prove, something personal. Something guys like Coach will never understand in a million years. stop it right there <laughs> you could go online and watch the end but it, there's a line in his story it says God made him for a purpose and he happened to make him fast think about that God made him for a purpose and he just happened to be very fast running that race was not his purpose fulfilling God's plan was his purpose one thing I recognize and I know that persecution exposes the true nature of our faith. If you've been around me long enough, you know, I like to say this for all sorts of situations, but persecution does not build character, it reveals it. So how does it pertain to us at Mosaic Church, at home, online? I think we can ask ourselves a few questions as we come to a close. I think we can ask ourselves, how does, how does this message fit for me? And maybe we can scale it down. You know, we're, I know that we're not going to go to the jungles of Papua New Guinea. We're not going to go to the Amazon jungle of Ecuador. We're not going to go to the, in China. But what could we do? And maybe if we brought it down into a little tiny, tiny micro level of trying to understand how, could, how can this pertain to me? One of the things I recognize about Marin and Laszlo and the ones I've talked about is they, they didn't ask God, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me as a consumer? When we go to a store, what's in it for me? Am I gonna get the best deals? What can I get with my money? What's in it for me? And I know not anyone here, but sometimes I'm wondering, sometimes the, the mentality about church is, what can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? That's a consumer mentality. These who were persecuted for his name's sake didn't ask themselves, what's in it for me, Lord? If they're going to make a movie about me? There's no movie really about, for Marilyn Laszlo. She did it because he was worthy. 
I'm glad you're here at church today. That's a, that's a micro version of saying, Lord, I want to worship you. Whether you're at home or here in person, you're saying, God, you're more important. Me getting up, getting sit, situated at my home, watching intently as best as I can. You're not saying what's in it for me. You're saying what's in it for you, God. Not forsaking the gathering of brethren. It's just a micro version of saying, God, what's in it for you? You know, when we, uh, I was just talking to Lavella, we were talking about college days and Chi Alpha days, and, um, and someone, <laughs> someone reminded me, I, I never remembered this, that someone said, well, I'm leaving Chi Alpha because uh, I wasn't being fed. I'm like, all right. That's, that's a consumer mentality. What's in it for me? A follower of Jesus comes to gatherings like this. Even if you're home, I know you, a lot of us cannot come here. I understand that. And, and many of you are gracious and you're generous in giving. So I'm not saying you have to be here to, to meet this criteria. But even at home, you can have a posture to give. Give praise to him. Give praise to him. So we come with a posture to give. We don't say what's in it for me because God made me for a purpose. So that's why when we come to church, and I know... Uh, we, we won't allow anything to preoccupy us from giving the praise that he's due. John 15 says, the world, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So we don't go around thinking, Lord, I'll, I'm gonna follow you, so what's in it for me? What's in it for you, you might be persecuted for his name's sake. And if the world hated Jesus, they're going to hate us. So when we try to live out the Beatitudes, don't expect someone to pat you on the back that doesn't know the Lord. If you don't laugh at their dirty jokes, don't expect them to applaud you and say, boy, you are awesome being pure in heart. If you choose to live a life of meekness in the corporate world of dominance and power, don't expect the boss to give you a hand clap and pat you on the back for being meek. When we mourn over our own sins and the sins of our fellow brethren, our people in our society, don't expect people to call, call you and say, you're awesome, I'm glad you're holding up this standard of purity and holiness. No, they might call you out of touch, old-fashioned. So here's the big question for us. If you're not being harassed or ridiculed by people outside the church because of righteousness sake, what does that actually say? Paul writes, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, 
becoming like him. We, so we, we talk about let's be like him, I wanna be like you. And, and some of these songs that we sing, and, and we don't sing them here, but the songs that are out there, Lord, I, I want to know you, I want to be near you, um, sometimes makes me chuckle because if that's the case, then I want, to, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Are we actually singing that? I hope so, because that's part of it. For those who are being persecuted for his name's sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what's going on? They see the bigger picture. They see the eternal picture. I'm almost through. I know we kids are getting a little restless. I'm getting a little restless. Here's our action plan. Ready? Take home, take home homework. Do a little research. So I'm asking you to do this. Do a little bit of research. Just Google Christian martyrs and do, just learn some history. That's what I'm asking you to do. Step one, just learn some history. Second part is talk to someone about that. So if you're a mom and dad, find yourself someone in history who's, who's been a martyr for Christ or who's been persecuted for the, his name's sake. Maybe it's your grandpa. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's you. But share the story because Jesus holds people like that precious. The second thing is, take it to the next level and talk to someone in our church the next time you see them and say, hey, I found this out about William Tyndall. You guys know any story about William Tyndall, anybody? Yeah. It's a phenomenal story. So talk to someone about it. So just Google Christian martyrs. And the third point I want you to go home with as we end, when was the last time someone said something about you due to your faith? When was the last time someone said something, I would say negative, about you because of your faith? And, the, and ask the question, why? And then ask the Lord to reveal a truth to you. Is that simple? I'll send you a reminder via email. But let's make that as our action point. Again, persecuted for his namesake, righteousness, not because you were mean to someone. That doesn't count. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for these awesome people, the Marilyn Laszlo's, the Jim Elliott's, the Eric Liddell's. Lord, bless them, their family, and their ministry that they have left a legacy throughout the place that they minister to. So I know that the tribe in Papua New Guinea is serving you, Father. China has exploded in, in believers. In Ecuador, that jungle tribe has come to know you, so many of them. We say thank you, Father, for your work. Thank you for their families. Lord, help us to see and look up to those who've gone before us. And Lord, help us not to shy away for living for your purpose. And Lord, help us to not be consumers, but givers. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.